With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Welcome to another episode of Winging It in Motown Radio. I'm your host, Peter, and joining me tonight, we have Lauren. How you doing, Lauren? Doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, and also joining us is JJ. JJ, what's going on? Uh, I was just uh, rocking out to our intro song. I'm, I miss that. Every time that we're not recording, I was like, I, I should just listen to that on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, you don't have that as your ringtone? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Just have it on, right. on loop before every game starts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have it on over. As soon as they they start talking about light the lamp, I'm just going to hit that and just drown it out. It'll, oh be, it'll be more entertaining. <laughs> um, all right, so... More. Yeah. So uh, since the last time we recorded, uh, Detroit has gone 4-4-2. Four, four, um, just a quick quick run through of the last uh, stretch of games since we last recorded. Uh, they lost to Ottawa. They beat the Devils in overtime. Um, they beat Boston in overtime. Lost to Washington. Lost to Buffalo in a shootout. Lost to Columbus in a a uh, actually kind of a shootout, seven five. Obviously without the uh, the shootout after overtime, but it's definitely an offensive game. Uh, they beat St. Louis, and then after that, going into December, we beat Boston and lost to Colorado. And then uh, last night as we're recording this, so two nights ago as you're listening to this, uh, Detroit lost to Tampa Bay in a high-scoring game that ended up in a shootout. Uh, and definitely had some uh, definitely had some controversy. There was a lot of up and downs uh, in that last game. And that's definitely been, um, that's definitely been the, the story for the Red Wings in the last stretch of games has been a lot of ups and downs, lots of games that they started off seeming like they didn't really like they were just going to get their doors doors blown off and then they settled down uh lots of third period comebacks um which obviously is good to see um so we're just going to start off talking about some some general thoughts for the last stretch of games so lauren i'm going to throw to you first so so what do you what are your thoughts on the red wings this last group of games um i i think it's just kind of a continuation of how the season has been going in general like had you asked me at the beginning of the season, like where our record would be, I'd say we'd probably be right about where we are. You know, this, this 500 ish, you know, inconsistent kind of a thing, but it's just, it's the inconsistency itself has also been inconsistent. And like to a degree that I just wasn't expecting, like, you know, I was really hoping that like the, the kids would step up and, and, you know, but wasn't really sure you know, how they would become 
kind of their own leaders and stuff like and I and I really feel like they have um really stepped up in a way that I don't think I could have anticipated. Um but yeah, just this whole stretch, I mean you have the uh, the seven five loss to Columbus and then you have the two nothing loss to the Avalanche, but then we finally beat Boston in Boston mm-hmm. and you know, we get Tampa to a shootout, which freaking Franz Nielsen scores a hat trick. Like, hello, where did that come from? You know, that <laughs> like he's the story of, you know, and Nyquist had two goals in the same game. You know, the two players that have scored the least, you know, against expectations so far. Um, yeah, so it's it's just been a weird, uh, weird season so far, and I think it's just been kind of a continuation of it the last. 10 games, this, this team really is just kind of all over the place. Um, but uh, it's, I think it's, it's more fun than it has been in years past for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. One thing I wanted to, to follow up on that, that you said that I definitely agree with is I remember last year, I'm trying to think about, I'm trying to think of like when this feeling set in, I I I want to think it was after the halfway point, but maybe it wasn't. It was it was it was definitely like near the end of the season, where it just kind of felt like, oh, this is terrible. I, you know, I almost don't even feel like watching the game just because I know I know how it's going to make me feel. And going into the season, I had a. I, I, I had a bad feeling. Obviously, I was hoping that it wasn't true, but I, I had a bad feeling that maybe this season could have felt like that, you know, could have felt like the end of last season. And I've been pleasantly surprised in terms of, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of frustration as the year has gone on, but like you said, there's been, uh, you know, even in this last stretch of games, um, actually, you know, let's even just take the, the last game. Obviously it's frustrating to lose. Obviously it's frustrating to lose in a shootout. It's frustrating to lose when you're up, uh, you know, up late, uh, on a shorthanded goal that ties it. But at the same time, you also have Nielsen scoring a hat trick, and, and that was fantastic. You have Nyquist scoring two goals. That was fantastic. So to me, that was almost kind of an encapsulation of the, the year so far in that it's been more exciting than I thought. And even though there have been some really, really frustrating parts of the season, um, there's also been a lot of, of positive stuff of, of excitement and things to look forward to. Um, so JJ, what are, what are your overall thoughts on this, this last stretch of games here? Yeah. Lauren nailed it. This is uh, more fun than it has been in, in years past. And I'm coming to accept that this was, that it's not all based on expectations. Cause you know, last year uh, I'll admit that like, even though I, I figured the team was going to be bad, they still kind of like were worse than expectations and it was just kind of a, a disappointing slog of the season, even into early December. Like, cause this, this team's record isn't too dissimilar from last year's record at this point. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Like Ken and Mick keep, keep bringing that up. <laughs> but like last year around this time, it was like, man, damn we're only in December and we've still got to like the rest of the season to go this year. Like I'm really enjoying it. Like I, I knew that last night when at the end of the second period, like I, this, this Tampa game, I'm going to leave this game angry about something because that's just the way (laughs) Tampa games go. Yeah. And even then, like I wasn't really that like I was still 
mad because I think the the Athanasiu diving call was shitty, and I think that like mm. it was a we had them and we let them off the the hook. You know, they are who we thought we are. They are, um, yeah. And like it was that just seemed like a failed opportunity. But so many of the games, it's first off the Red Wings are playing a more exciting brand of hockey this season than they were last season. So there's the expectations difference where I did expect them to be much worse than they are and that they're playing better. There is the uh, style of play difference where they're, they're being, they're more aggressive. And I think the biggest difference is that every game I've been really happy that it truly has been a youth movement. Like last season, it was a man, I'm so tired of watching Justin Adlocator get leaned on this heavily for a team this bad. Like, what are we trying to prove? What are we trying to do? But with Dylan Larkin and even like Dennis Chalowski taking heavy minutes or heavier minutes, it is win or lose. The team is moving forward, not trying to limp along on older bullshit. So um, at, at this point, like I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm I'm not like I'm just gonna like, enjoy the party for the moment because uh, there is the consideration that keeps sneaking in. Like, man, are they winning too much? Because I still want the the Jack Hughes sweepstake, but you know, honestly, at, at this point, I'm starting to get to the how bad would it be to have a a middling finish where you miss the playoffs? I mean, you still technically have a lottery pick, like. Obviously, I don't want the team picking 15th in the draft because that, that means that they didn't make the playoffs and they don't have a really great draft position, and that would be pretty terrible. But, like, if they're not the, the very, very worst team in the league at the end of the season, I'm, I don't think that I'm going to necessarily consider that such a terrible thing. Hmm. Oh, I still want to win the draft lottery regardless. Yeah. Sure. And, I mean, you know, we've seen the last – especially the last couple of seasons, we've seen teams move up quite a bit in the lottery. Um, so, you know, even 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 finishing last or even first, second, or third is not necessarily a guarantee that you're going to get, you know, first, second, or third pick. Um, yeah, I, I, I know that's something that we talked about. Um, we've talked about in the past this idea of – balancing um the you know the the logical desire that the team could really 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 use a, a, a you know you know another high-end draft pick i mean we got philip sedina last year um you know but like like there's you know another tier that you know higher that that would be ph- phenomenal not even not you know not even jack hughes you know there's also um, at least one if not a couple other players that seem to be like they could be game changers and that would be really good to see but at the same time again i mean the the you know the the, the second half of last season was so tough to watch that it it would be kind of hard to go through that again um Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about the the Red Wings, but um, Lauren, I wanted to ask you because I know um, you've been able to watch, uh, you've been able to follow the the Griffins, you know, definitely much closer than I have. Um, and so I was just uh, I was just wondering, like like, what are your thoughts of the Griffins as of late? Oh gosh, um, well, I've only been able to go to one game uh, so far this season, and actually that was this past weekend. Um, mm. But I've listened to a few games here and there on the on the on the radio. Um, 
And it, I, I mean, it kind of seems like the Griffins are, I don't know, they're kind of in the same, a similar, or not the same, but a similar position as the Redlings, I think, right now, mm-hmm. where they're not, it like, it, you know, they have their games where they're really on it and stuff like that. But they had a stretch where they were like two for 44 on the power play or something Ugh. absurd like that. And I, like, I was listening to a game when they brought up that statistic, and I almost <laughs> choked on, like, my own spit or whatever. I was like, <laughs> what? Like, how is that possible with this team? And then, like, the power or the penalty kill was, was not great either, but I was just like, what is going on? And, it, you know, it almost kind of – I guess it would almost kind of be more like Red Wings teams – that we've seen over the last few years where you just have atrocious special teams, you know, that's, and you're losing by a goal or two goals and stuff like that, where, you know, you get all these special teams opportunities and you're just not capitalizing and stuff like that. Um, I did see just a little bit ago, they did win again tonight and really quick, I am going to look up their current record because I don't know what it is at the moment. Um, yeah, I just I remember watching them last year and and following their record and it seemed like they had a cup hanger go, going on and cup hangover going on um, and then they lost a lot of players this this past off season. Um, you know we uh, you know just like the AHL level guys went elsewhere. We we lost a few people to you know like NHL free agency type of stuff. Um, so I don't know. It it just kind of seemed like as a whole, the team was kind of trying to figure out, um, you know, what what they were hmm. what they were doing. And I think Zadina, you know, is also trying to do that kind of stuff. You know, he's certainly the youngest player on the team, and he's yeah. kind of the epitome of figuring it out on the fly. So, <laughs> um, this this is not what is this? Okay, they're website is confusing me. This is not standings. <laughs> oh, because I clicked on the wrong thing. Apologies for whatever people are listening to wondering what in the world kind of professionals we are. Okay, we are third in the Central Division. Our record is 14-7-0-2. They do divide overtime losses and shootout losses. So they have not lost in overtime. They do have the two shootout losses. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean they're I, they're certainly in in playoff contention right now. Um, they're eight one zero and one in the past ten games. Um, yeah, I think they were just kind of struggling at the beginning of the season, like they were last year. You know, I don't I don't know if it was quite to the level of the Red Wings were this year because that was just atrocious. But um, yeah, I think I think it's just it's not the dominant team that they had for a while and. They're trying to deal with all these, you know, roster influx, you know, kind of things. Mm-hmm. And but uh, yeah, at least they're turning it around earlier than they did last season because it was like they were like sixth or seventh in the, in the division in like December or January. I was like, whoa, guys, what is <laughs> what is going on over there? So. Yeah, because yeah, I know at the beginning of the year, I mean, at least half of the defensemen that would have been on the team were up with Detroit. So obviously that's obviously that's a, a, a big deal. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, 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 it's interesting to see with Zadina because you know, he's been he's been 
seemingly seemingly getting better as of late, you know, adjusting to adjusting to the AHL. Um, and it, it reminds me a little bit of, of Rasmussen where the beginning of the year, it kind of looked like, Oh, is he going to be able, is he going to be able to play at this level right now? And, you know, there, we had the, the discussion about is, is it, would it just be better to send him back to juniors? And then at this point he seems to, you know, I, I think he's definitely going to uh, keep improving at the NHL level, but Rasmussen has definitely shown that he's, he's somebody that can be on the ice at the NHL and, and, you know, not only not hurt your team, but, but help your team, especially on the power play. He's been doing really well there. Um, JJ, uh, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna shift to to a, a different topic with the Red Wings, and I know this is something that you've been you've been talking about recently about um, you know trying to figure out uh, the balance here. Um, and so, uh, not last game, but two games ago, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi was suspended for uh, punching uh, a player on Colorado from the bench. Um, obviously that was, uh, as been, has been discussed a lot. Um, there was, there was, you know, a, a, a lot going on in that play, but re- regardless of, of the other things, uh, it's definitely not something that Bertuzzi should be doing. Um, and then, uh, we, we learned that Anthony Mantha, uh, was, is going to miss four to six games, uh, for, or for, sorry, four to six weeks, uh, for, uh, he's going to have hand surgery for the second time in three seasons after, uh, getting hurt in a fight. Uh, and he came to, uh, basically, you know, he felt he was coming to the defense of, of Dylan Larkin after Larkin got hit. And, you know, so that, that kind of brings us to an interesting topic is that on the one hand, you do want players that are going to stand up for each other. You do want players that are going to, that are going to feel like they're a team. And if you go after my teammate, I'm not going to let you do that. But at the same time, they're, you know, number one with, with the Bertuzzi thing, there is a line. You don't want people getting suspended. You want people crossing that line and, and getting supplementary, supplementary discipline. And then you also obviously don't want people getting injured in fights. Uh, so JJ, now that we've kind of had a little bit of time to think about this, like, like where, where are you at this? Uh, where are you on this issue as of right now? Yeah, this weekend was a, a wild ride between like what I want to see and uh, the slippery slope of, of what I don't want to see. Because it, it all started in the Boston game, um, you know, with the the Marchand incident and the the nearly the near goalie fight that we had. And like when I first saw Bertuzzi uh, go ahead and drop the gloves and start taking swings at Marchand, Marchand, sorry. Uh, <laughs> It was like, oh, don't do that. He's just going to even things up, and we're about to go on the power play, and you got to be smarter than that. And then because I hadn't seen the the slash on Jimmy Howard, and then after that, I was right. like, oh, I think he was, I think he did appropriately. <laughs> um, and then the Red Wings scored that power play goal, and no lie, that is the single most satisfying power play goal I can remember watching the Red Wings score in years. Um <laughs> it has been and I, I literally I do not remember the last time there was one of those like yeah in your face jerk offs that's what you do that's what you get for messing with us um, kind of goals and it, like I, I it, it really was like kind of thawing on my fandom because like I, you know the last year was like I said it was a kind of a, a slog and, and grind and I'd, I'd watch them score goals, and I'd, it, I never got the same, like, 
joy out of it. And like that, mm. that one power play goal against Boston was, was truly joyful. And it was like, there was, this team is standing up for each other and they're, they're doing it the right way. And like, they're, they're being tougher to play against. And they're, you know, they got a little, they, that sandpaper that you want. And then the Colorado game was like, uh, you guys still have, should try to win hockey games by playing hockey. Um, and that was, it, it really did show like there's, there's that line. Like I, I do want them to be tougher to play against. And I want that team that, that showed up against Boston and, you know, gives as well as they get and it gets basically gets the advantage out of it. But I also don't want to see Tyler Bertuzzi sucker punching people from the bench, even if I do feel like he was, I, he was speared and he admitted that he said that in the first place. Like, I think it was a stupid decision. I also think I was speared, but I understand it was a stupid decision. And that's exactly where I stand on, on that too. It's like, yeah, you were speared and it's bullshit that Matt Calvert didn't get supplemental discipline for that. You still had to be better. Um, the Mantha fight, like, I don't know. Like, they're still proud of, ah, yes, you stood up for, for Dylan Larkin. But at some point, like, the Dylan Larkin hit was kind of unfortunate timing. Like, I do not think that was a dirty hit. Like, the fact that nobody, uh, you know, if you're going to break your hand fighting for a teammate, then break your hand on Ian Cole's big dumb head for that cheap shot on Andreas Athanasiu. Um, mm. So... Yeah, like as much as I want to see them be tough to play against, I don't want to see them become the the Anaheim Ducks or the Boston Bruins, um, where the team will sometimes lose the focus that hockey is still the point, not you know ah we lost on the scoreboard, but at least we we won on the the boxing score sheet. Like I don't care about that. Like. I guess it is better than than losing on the scoreboard and on the the fight card, but um, not really, not for me. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I, I know it's interesting that I uh, um, I I didn't get a chance earlier in the day to to look through some some Red Wings uh, beat writer articles and the uh, the Lean St. James headline. It just it made me laugh, but like in a bad way. Because uh, if you haven't seen this, uh, the, her headline today was Detroit Red Wings lose Anthony Mantha to fight why they're okay with it. <laughs> it's like I, I know – I mean, from yeah. reading the quotes, I know that it's not how it sounds there. But, like, that's an interesting way to phrase it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's okay. Um, and if you read the, if you read the, the quotes, it's, it's a lot more about we want to be a team that stands up for each other, which, like you said, that's a good thing. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Actually, one thing I was I was thinking is I'm trying to think of other times. And I mean, obviously, I'm sure it happens, but it seems to me like you don't really hear about players breaking their hand in a fight very often. Like you would think you would, you know, you know, people punch each other, not even just in the helmet, but sometimes, you know, you can just punch somebody in the face and break your hand. It, it doesn't seem to happen as often as I think it would. And it seems strange to me that it would happen to him twice in three years, um, especially when I think he's been in, I think, I think the number of seven fights in his NHL career and, and two of them have resulted in broken hands. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's doing something wrong, 
it could just be really bad luck. I'm just saying that's a really, I don't know. It, it seems strange to me that like that the percentage of fights to broken hands is that high. Um, but yeah, this is definitely something that I kind of struggle with as a fan. Um, and I, I can almost tie it in to the, the ideas of, of hitting and fighting and concussions where the, um, you know, the instinctual part of me, if I see somebody deliver a big hit, it's like, there's a part of me just instinctual. That's like, Ooh, yeah. Awesome. But like we talked about many times, knowing what I know about head injuries, there's also the logical side of me. That's like, Oh, that's, that's actually not good. And I think it's, for me, it's kind of the same, same thing with this is like, when I, every time we play Boston, I will, I will feel differently than I almost feel different, feel watching any other team when Brad Marchand does the stupid shit that he does. Like, it just makes me so irrationally, well, not even irrationally, I guess. It just makes me so angry as a fan. And like, I want somebody to go there and I want somebody to end his career, but then I know that that's bad. Like, I know I shouldn't want that. Um, Basically, I just want him to to look at himself in the mirror and decide, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this. Now, I know that's not going to happen either, but it's like, you know, there's kind of that almost bloodlust as a fan that we feel. But then there's also, like you said, the logical side of it, that I don't want somebody who should be scoring goals for our team being sidelined for a month or more. That obviously hurts the team, too. So... (sighs) I, I know I don't really have an answer here. Um, I guess it's just to say that it's it's definitely a hard a hard line as a fan, at least for me. Um, so, Lauren, what are your feelings on this? Well, I I've certainly talked about uh, concussions a lot on this podcast. Um, mm. You know, I I work in the medical field. I'm in nursing school. I I see people on you know a daily basis that a lot of times are dealing with the effects of um, things like like dementia and and sometimes head injuries or things like that. And, and, you know, that stuff is just really hard to deal with. And to know what the effects of concussions are, um, like I, I have to imagine that these players know, probably a lot of them from experience, what the physical manifestations of a concussion are. You know, you get these horrible headaches and, and you know, you're sensitive to light and sound and you, you know, sometimes you can't leave your room for a few days because you have to be in darkness. And it's like, mm-hmm. to me, I don't understand, consistently do not understand, you know, the league and their lawsuit and their refusal to accept you know, traumatic brain injuries and stuff. That's a whole separate thing. The fact that the players still do not say collectively, hey, wait a second, why are we giving each other these brain injuries and not giving a shit? You know, it's like you you look at anybody that's played on a team with Johan Franzen should maybe be a little bit more aware of where they're trying to hit somebody, you know, yep. and I, it's, it's, I 
I've never played hockey. I can't skate in a straight line without falling down. Like I, I've never played the game. I'm sure that at high speeds, especially at the NHL level speeds, if you're coming in for a hit, your thought isn't going to be, oh gosh, I better not concuss this guy. You know, but like you should like I just don't understand how there's any level of oh I'm going to hit this guy. You know, in this like I I would hope that even as you're playing a game that you are not going for any intent to injure. And it's that kind of stuff that really gets me about fights. Like I am always the, the person that when there's a fight, I'm like, Oh my, like I'm, I'm the one standing up yelling, Oh my God, please don't hurt yourself. You know, <laughs> don't break your freaking hand. Don't get your, your lights punched out, whatever. You know, you see these, the videos that go around are all oh, of this, total knockout fight and you're like that's not good that's the brain trying to protect itself and it's it's you know a sign that it's really bad and and mm. you know it's just all of this um frustration for me as a as a medically inclined person that's like that is not something to be you know celebrated it would be like if everybody was going around being like yeah yeah that guy's so that basketball player is so dedicated because he broke his leg and the bone is sticking out. Like people <laughs> share those for the shock and horror effect, but mm. they don't go around. Like it's like a brain injury is a, a big deal. And I just, right. there, there's just still this lack of uh, empathy for a fellow player. Like Luke Witkowski and Anthony Mantha are now teammates. And that's who Anthony Mantha first broke his hand on. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, but yeah, now they're teammates. And Tyler Bertuzzi fought Nick Jensen, and Nick Jensen messed up his shoulder. And, you know, they've been playing together for years now. And I just don't understand how that happens. You know, it just mm. it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, I just, yeah, I, it's something that I've talked about many, many times. Um, you know, it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I, I hate to see... I would really hate to see this team turn into one that's going to fight at very little provocation, you know, like I, I I feel like Larkin didn't stay down long after that hit that he took against the boards the other night. And yeah, it was a big hit. Maybe it looked bad right away, but like, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, you know, you don't get retaliation because it is those clean hits and someone steps up to fight. And you're like, why should you have to answer for what is a, a clean hit? You know, it's, and I know you can't rely on the refs to police everything exactly the way they should be. You know, you don't have 2020, you know, at vision at the, is, you know, only hindsight's 2020. And even then it's not perfect, obviously. Um, you know, you can't rely on the league to, uh, get everything right every single time. Um, but then why not, you know, make an effort to, you know, make a change? Like, just, like, why perpetuate these, you know, these, I oh, you hit my teammate, I'm going to, you know, try and break your face or whatever. Um, you know, you just... Cause it's it's just there's no reason to cause more harm and more injury in my opinion um, 
because it, it doesn't, I don't think it makes you look any better. Yeah, you, you, you stood up for your teammate, but, you know, you broke a guy's nose or whatever, or you broke your own hand. Like, what are you really getting out yeah, of that's, besides getting out that's, more of your own freaking testosterone or whatever? That's another big piece of the line for me, because I'll admit, like, I am glad that fighting is down so much in the NHL, but I am still one of the people who, as long as it is a natural extension of these guys have just had enough of each other, and they're just, there's just no other way to solve this other than, than fisticuffs. Then yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch and I'm I'm going to enjoy the fight. I will have in the back of my head the God. I hope nobody gets ragdolled here. I, I hope nobody ends up with the with that dead-eyed stare. They just got knocked out because every time I see that, it, it terrifies me. And and you know I I understand that while I am gleefully enjoying this very natural boiling over of emotions, um, that there is a risk that I'm immediately going to feel guilty because somebody has gotten really, really hurt and they've taken that, that risk. Uh, you know, it's the same as watching a, a, a daredevil jump over a canyon, essentially. It's like I'm really enjoying watching this and I'm really not going to be enjoying myself if somebody freaking dies while I'm doing it. So... Uh, I, you know, I, I try to deal with, with that kind of, I don't know, the, the, the guilt of the bloodlust. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like that line for me is unless, unless the fight really is one of those like true boiling over of emotions, I don't want to, I don't want to see it. And I, I don't want the team to allow the emotions to get boiled over so easily on hits that I don't think necessarily need that. Like, I don't think that Anthony Mantha needed to drop the gloves. Like, just like, I don't think that Luke Witkowski needed to drop the gloves for, uh, for the hit that he laid on Krejci on Saturday. And, that hit was essentially right on the line because that was exactly what Peter had said earlier. You see that one of those big hits and you go, Ooh, that was good. And then like the, the split second after is like, but I hope he doesn't have a concussion <laughs> from it. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that's where I, I was on that. Like it was a really satisfying hit. And I, I think it's going to take a big culture change in, in all of hockey in terms of what I personally would like to see. And then there's the concept of, you know, it's just the the one fan's opinion, and and I don't know, because like, um, you know, the the recent uh, for sure episode that talked about if hockey wants to really grow as a game, they should actually play on the bloodlust angle, um, and I I don't know if I want to be around for that, but it's like I I do think that like the the entire concept of hitting in my ideal world would be you hit to you can hit to separate somebody from the puck which is exactly what Witkowski did to Krejci if you're hitting to hurt then that's bullshit like I'll, I'll go back to the, the Tom Wilson late hit uh, it was not a, a head a head shot but it was late the Marchand hit that started on Jensen that started all that all that shit that, that ended with the near goalie fight. For me, that was a charge and it was a late hit. 
And yeah, I've seen you, we see Justin Applicator lay that hit all the time. We've seen Luke Witkowski lay that lay that hit. I mean, hell, we've seen Dylan Larkin lay hits like that. It, the puck is clearly gone, and you're just you know finishing the check, or oh, I'm just going to cruise into this guy. And it's just one of those unnecessary kind of kind of hits that I I don't know that how long it would take to essentially train hockey players out of it, but like generally generationally it's so ingrained in hockey culture it would take a lot of painful years of watching a shitload of penalty calls and a lot of grousing by fans about the penalty standard uh to to get over and i don't know how much i want to deal with with that issue either so hmm. i guess i don't have any yeah. answers just a lot of complaints yeah. yeah but i mean at the same time even even if um, you know we don't have an actual answer, I think it's it's still good to have the discussion. Um, it's definitely something that's worth thinking about. Um, all right, so in just a little bit, we're going to take a quick look around the league. But before we do that, we do have a couple a uh, couple last Red Wings uh, topics to talk about. Um, so first of all, uh, we have the upcoming World Junior Championships. Uh, so as of right now, uh, c- countries have. Uh, announced the list of players that are invited to camp. Uh, and then from those teams, there's going to be a, I'm pretty sure it's a 23 man roster. That's going to be selected uh, in, I, I think that a, a little bit over a week from now. Uh, I, I want to say about the 14th or 15th, if I remember correctly. Um, so like, for example, I think Canada has invited 33, 34 players, and they're going to cut that down to 23. So for the Canada roster, uh, Joe Valeno and Jared McIsaac are on the invite list, uh, so they're going to be going uh, and competing for those spots. Philip Sedina is on the list for the Czechs. Um, according to reporting, Michael, uh, basically the Red Wings aren't uh, decided they weren't going to let Michael Rasmussen go t- uh, to Canada. You, you would probably imagine he would have been on that list if it, if it wasn't for that. Um, and I, I believe those are the those are the Red Wings. I haven't seen any other Red Wings, so if I, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Um, so obviously, Phil, Philip Sedina uh, has been doing better uh, for Grand Rapids than he was in the beginning. He had a, a, a tough start to the season, uh, but he's been doing a lot better. Um, so uh, real quick, so I'll ask, I'll ask you, Lauren, first. Do you think that it would be better for Sedina to go to the um, to you know, to go to the World Junior Championships, it'll, it'll probably be about a month or so, and uh, obviously play uh, play in that tournament. Or do you think that that he, you know, uh, the, the Griffin should keep him uh, and have him play in the in the AHL for that time? Oh boy, um, I I think it's such a complicated question, uh, especially when you consider that the Olympics are now off the table um, for and for people with, with NHL contracts. Um, I would certainly like him to stay in the AHL and continue on that track of development. But I also don't want to say, you know, no, you can't go and represent your country or, you know, compete for the chance to represent your country, um, especially because, yeah, they, you know, the Olympics is off the table currently and, and, you know, then there's the World Cup of Hockey, you know, whoop-de-doo. Honestly, I think that's a cop-out level, you know, some I, – I, I hate the 
idea of the World Cup of Hockey being the replacement for the Olympics because it's just it's just not even close um, to being the same level of importance for for some of these kids and especially the um, you know the the European you know kids or the you know maybe even more for more so for Russia and stuff like that um, you know the Canadians and Americans a lot of times grow up dreaming of the Stanley Cup. It's the European kids that say, I want to represent my team in the Olympics more often than, you know, I'm going to get to the NHL and, and win the Cup. Maybe that's changing these days. I don't know. Um, but I, I guess I just can't say either way, you know, we should do it this way. I, I think – I think he should be given the chance to go and try for that spot in camp. And if he makes it, you know what? Great. He's had a lot of stuff that happened within the last six months, you know, leading up to the draft. You know, the draft itself is this is this whole big thing. And then he's projected to go top three. He falls to six. You know, he's hoping to make the team out of camp and preseason doesn't go well. And then he's sent to the AHL. You know, it's – I we were talk, there was a conversation about this um, the other day in the comments. It was regarding you know should we call him up and you know all that kind of stuff. And I just if if this is going to be something where he can go and he can find some level of success, you know, and even if his even if he makes the team and the team doesn't win or whatever, it's it's a team thing, and I don't think he has to focus on maybe some of his individual disappointments, I guess, he's had this year. You know, he certainly, I think, didn't follow the script that he was hoping for. You know, he's certainly a very confident person, as you've seen. Um, but I just think that kind of stuff has has the chance to really affect somebody, you know, regardless of the, the bravado that they put on. Um, so I just, I think it's, you know, I think it's a it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I, you know, if I don't I don't know the rules on um, overagers going to World Juniors, like if if it would be a possibility for him to go next year. But if he's with the Red Wings next year, they're not gonna. I can't imagine they'd let him go. You know, if they're right, it's it's you know if they're not letting Rasmussen go this year, I you know I just feel like this is his opportunity to be able to go and represent his country on this important international stage and um yeah i i say i say let him go i i uh i think we we can certainly let him go and and maybe work out some of um you know maybe he wants maybe he's got to talk about you know some of the frustrations maybe that he's having this year i don't know like i mm-hmm. just i just think it would be really good for him to to be able to go and do this thing yeah, um, I mean, I I'm definitely of the opinion that uh, that Zidina should go. Um, obviously, assume, you know he has to make the team, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think he should go, and um, he, not just for the reasons that you said. But not, I mean, not that I don't agree with him, I do, um, but I think you know one of the things is like if you see, um, and, and and again, I don't really get to watch the Griffins play. Um, I, I've, I've gotten to see a game or two, um, but I don't get to watch them nearly as much as I would like to. Um, but just just from looking at at the you know the lineups and stuff, it it doesn't seem like he's 
you know, he, he's not playing with, with high-end scorers, you know, high-end scorers or playmakers. I'm not saying that, the, you know, these guys are bad. I mean, obviously, anybody who's playing the NHL is, is a very, very good hockey player. But I think it's going to be helpful for him to go and play with some of these these prospects where, you, you know how it is, like with these, these types of players, especially somebody who's a really good scorer, um, if they have somebody who's a really good playmaker setting them up, then that's obviously going to be helpful. So I think that doing that can, can, you know, maybe help with his confidence a little bit, you know, seeing like, Oh, Hey, if I, you know, you know, playing with this guy, I can really, I can really light it up. Um, and obviously it's going to be a good level of competition too. If you look at some of these rosters, um, there's some really, really high end prospects that are going to be in this tournament and it's going to be a really good level of competition. So I'm, you know, for, for those, those reasons and the reasons you said, I definitely, uh, want Zadina to go. Um, also, just real quick, I'm going to be interested to see how Valeno does. Um, obviously, first of all, you know, t- t- to hopefully make the team because Canada is, is pretty loaded, which is fairly typical. Um, and assuming he makes a team, which which I, I think he was, I, 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 saw, I saw a projection where they had him as like their third center. Um, and I'm really interested to see how he does in that tournament because he has just been destroying uh, the queue this year so far. And um, based on seeing him last year, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Valeno uh, make the team next year out of camp. Uh, I think he, he, he actually made a really good case for making it this year. Um, but again, I'm not surprised they sent him down. Um, all right, so the last, last Red Wings topic before we, we do a little bit around the league um, Danny DeKaiser is out for four to, I think four to six weeks um, after taking a Stamkos uh, slap shot in the hand, which is not recommended. Obviously, he didn't do it on purpose, but uh, that's it's definitely a bad idea. Um, and so he's out for a while. So the Griffins are going to be, uh, or you know, the, the expectation is that there's going to be a call up from the Griffins. Uh, JJ, do you have a, a guess on who do you think that's going to be? Did we lose JJ? No, JJ, you muted. Oh, okay. Well. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, uh, anyway, yeah, we'll we'll get back to to JJ in a minute. Um, once we figure out what's going on here. So, uh, I think. Oh wait, you said. Oh, you said he unmuted. Huh. Okay. Um, anyway, so uh, sorry. Uh, so the <laughs> you would think you would think that Philip Ronick would maybe be able to be um, the the call up, right? Because he has not, uh, or, no, he has done very well uh, of late. He was, I believe, the Griffins player for the month. Uh, he is on a tear right now. Um, I think he got at least one one more point tonight. Uh, so he's been doing really, really well, and um, you would think that it would that it would be him. At least I would, um, but the reporting is that it's not going to be him. Um, so I know JJ had said earlier when I was uh, when we were talking about probably uh, he, he thinks that it's going to be Sulak, um, which I think definitely makes sense. Um, if it wasn't, if yes. it was just going to be short term. Oh, there you are. Okay, yeah. Okay, so take it okay, from there. Yeah. So, yeah, so why Sulak, yeah, or Shulak? 
Yeah, I think it's because they're going to look for basically the closest replacement to Danny DeKaiser, and that is basically Shulak in terms of size and who can play that. Although, I mean, you may end up with more of a defensive defenseman. Like, it's possible that, that McElrath or or they even give, like, Brian Lash off the call-up just to be goofy, but, like... I mean, uh, Hicketts doesn't really fit the DeKaiser mold, and Hironik, uh Jeff Blashell says he has to be great in the AHL, which I don't know what else the hell that kid would have to do to be considered great, but essentially I, I think it's the, the organizational plan was never to call up Hironik. It was always to call up basically the, the closest thing to the Danny DeKaiser clone and then just use whatever excuse you had to, to, you know, to light a fire under Aronic. So yeah, I think Shulak makes the most sense. I think he is a little bit more offensive minded than DeKaiser, but uh, DK when he first came up, wasn't uh, adverse to, to joining the rush like uh, Shulak has. So uh, I just think it makes sense to, to have him as the guy who gets the call up and I want to see more of him anyway. So whatever. Yeah, actually, yeah, th- that last point is uh, is definitely the reason I hope it is, uh, because he was, for my money, he was one of the most entertaining players to watch when he was when he was on the Red Wings. Obviously, sometimes there were times where you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? But then there were some times where you would say that in a positive way. Like it always seemed like when he was on the ice, something was going to happen. And I think that, that you know there is a good there is I don't know if it's a good chance, but I think there is a chance that if he can you know, adjust so that it's less of the, what the hell are you doing? And more of the, Oh, that's great. Then, you know, I, I think he definitely could be a good NHL defenseman. Um, for me, he's kind of like a, a wild card. I can kind of see him going either way. And like I always say, I'd like to, I, I, I want these guys to get a chance, uh, an extended chance to show what they have, you know, let's, let's see what they have. Let's, let's evaluate where they are at the NHL level so that if we have to down the road, we can make a decision. Um, so, so, Lauren, do you do you think that makes sense, or do you think that the Griffins go with somebody else? Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I just, I do kind of see it. You know, we've seen the report about Ronick needing to be great, which, again, what does that mean? What more do they have to do? Um, yeah, I, I see it as replacing what we lost in Danny DeKaiser more. And JJ said, you know, Joe Hicketts doesn't really get the mold of, of what Danny DeKaiser brings to the table. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I doubt they would go with Lashoff. That would be goofy. Um, I feel like at this point he is the AHL veteran that is going to be a, a source of stability in Grand Rapids. Um yeah, I don't know. You know, you never know. They you, they might surprise you with something real weird. But I I think listening to the reasoning behind certain choices, I think probably Shulak is going to be the the one that they go with. Cool. Yeah. So um, uh, we we are recording this on Wednesday night. Um, by the t- if by the time you listen to it, you might actually know who it is. Uh, if not, you'll you'll we'll find out in the near future. Uh, if if we were correct. Um, all right, so it's almost time for one of our favorite things, which is Positivity Corner. But before that, we're just going to do a quick around the league. Um, so let me ask you, uh, Lauren, so, so what's, what's one 
storyline or you know topic or something like that that's that's outside of the Red Wings that you're finding interesting now? Oh gosh, outside of the Red Wings, dude, I barely have time to pay attention to the Red Wings sometimes. Um, gosh, I don't know. Just that's like, what, I mean, like yeah. if if you don't pay too much attention to outside really the Red Wings, that's know. perfectly um, fine, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess so. This is more kind of a vindictive thing. Um, I don't know if this is still the case, but I, I do remember hearing at one point that Pittsburgh was in the bottom of the Metro and Chicago is freaking tire fire this year. <laughs> like there were two screenshots on Twitter that I found really funny. It was like, the, I think the Blackhawks were playing Nashville in the first one. It was like three, nothing with like 12 and a half minutes left in the first. And Nashville was on like a six minute power play or something. I was like, I don't know what happened, but it's, freaking hilarious whatever led to this scenario it's amazing and then <laughs> they were playing I think Calgary uh just a couple of days ago and the same thing it was like three nothing they were Calgary had like a three and a half minute power play left on this screenshot and stuff like that and the comment was um like wait why are they re-showing this episode of the 2018-19 Blackhawks I hate this episode <laughs> and it's just yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said it's vindictive but god it's so funny I'm like man did they just fall off a cliff I love it hey there's so absolutely guess, nothing wrong I guess with, that's what yeah. I'm enjoying this year is just how atrociously bad Pittsburgh and Chicago are I yeah. love it <laughs> yeah there's absolutely nothing bad with uh with being being happy at the uh at the expense of Chicago. Uh JJ, what what are you interested in? Cuz I, I got a couple, so I don't want to take yours uh just in case. Well, talk about the uh the Seattle expansion. Uh is mm. definitely like there's just so much around that that is just interesting from the concept of like how many people are upset about the rumors that the Seattle color scheme is not going to be basically uh, Supersonics slash Mariners, the kind of green for the Emerald City thing, because it looks like they're going to be doing more red and black, which is shared with a decent uh, amount of the rest of the NHL. And there's the concept of, like, it is – a tie-in to the the local community uh, youth hockey. And, like, the NHL is still a gate-driven league. It still makes more sense to sell to your home base than to do something that, you know, makes sense to some jerk in Kansas who honestly would rather see the team in green. Um, you know, to the expansion draft rules, to, like, all of the – like, I – love the little detail that they're going to start in uh, 2021-22 and knowing that that is specifically because the NHL did not want to hand the NHLPA the kind of leverage that is opting out of the CBA and going on strike the year they're trying to launch a brand new franchise that the current CBA specifically says the NHL does not have to share any of that brand new franchise money with the players. So Mm. that's just kind of funny for me that they, they delayed that to, to take essentially what would have been a huge dagger out of the hands of the NHLPA uh, for that timing. And I, 
can only imagine how angry like all of the owners and and Bettman are about just kind of how the timing worked out on that because I'm sure they would have rather had Seattle coming in as soon as possible. Right. Especially Melnick because he'll be broke before then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that, that was one of the that's one of the options I had. Um, so just real quick, um, I I wrote up an article today that's they'll go up pretty soon. Um, we just want to, I definitely want to get another set of eyes on it to make sure I didn't make any mistakes. Cause sometimes with this stuff, it's, it's pretty easy to miss something. Um, so yeah, I'm writing an article, like basically looking at how the wings are set up for the expansion draft now. And obviously things are going to change between now and then. Um, but, uh, Oh, I don't want to say too much. You'll have to read the article. Uh, but I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, one, thing I do, one thing I do think is going to be interesting about this time is to see if GMs learn lessons from the last time. Because there were, there were some really, really dumb decisions made all around. I mean, honestly, George McPhee made some dumb decisions. Uh, but other GMs, uh, Florida in particular, made some incredibly dumb decisions. So it's going to be interesting to see if they learn uh, from their mistakes or if they don't, um, and and how they they uh, they use the knowledge now that they're going to have to protect these players, et cetera. Um, you know, for example, if they if they have a player that are giving a contract for four years and they give that player a no move clause, they are basically saying we are going to protect you in the expansion draft. And we saw last time that that can be a bit of a hamstring, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it how it goes with that. Um, so. Uh, since I kind of piggybacked off yours, I'll just run through mine real quick. Uh, the thing I'm I'm really enjoying is is Patrick Line. Uh, I've liked him for a long time. Uh, for me, he's just a fun player to watch. Uh, the other night, he or actually a little while ago now, he scored five goals on four. Uh, sorry, that would be actually even more incredible. He scored five goals on five shots, uh, which is pretty remarkable. Um, he's just a really fun player to watch. Um, and so if I'm not watching the Red Wings uh, and I have a chance to see at least a little bit of Winnipeg, uh, I'm going to watch that because I want to see I want to see what line is going to do. Um, so uh, let's go to positivity corner. All right. So, uh, JJ, I'll go to you first. Uh, so what's your positivity corner uh, thing for tonight? I love that this is the basically the second podcast in a row where we've gotten a positivity corner and I've like been thinking like do we need to do a positivity corner though the way we've <laughs> been talking so far like has been pretty upbeat and, and happy and i'm just glad to not have been beaten out like out of that like where i have to go out of my way to be happy about things about my favorite team so i'm just going to keep going with that like everything i've been happy about i'm still happy about awesome that's yeah Quick but easy and uh, and definitely good. Uh, Lauren, what about you? That's me. Um, <laughs> I think just watch, watching uh, Dylan Larkin this year has been really, really fun. Um, you know, the decision he made in the Avalanche game, notwithstanding, you know, he's stepped up as a leader in so many games. He, you know, has put the team on his back on multiple occasions and um you know with this the unexpected retirement of Henrik Zetterberg uh, it was kind of just like oh 
crap, like, are we, are, I, I don't think we were ready for this yet. You know, it was, we we're kind of expecting a more natural transition to the next leadership core. And um, I was honestly worried that, you know, purely by seniority standards and stuff, that it was going to be someone like Justin Applicator that was going to get the next captaincy. And, you know, opinions can differ between fans, but I truly do not like Justin Applicator. I really don't uh, for reasons that are uh, far too long and complicated to, to get into on this podcast. But but anyway, just watching Larkin really step into the role that I I really, really hoped that he would, just to see him actually reach um, some of the potential that I hoped he he could have is really, really fun. And I'm so excited um, because, you know, I think this, this might be the season that really kicks off uh, a, a stellar career and it's just been a joy to watch so far. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, mine, mine really quickly is Franz Nielsen scoring a hat trick because he, he's <sighs> long been one of my favorite players and I was very happy when he came to the Red Wings Obviously, we've talked about the contract many, many times. Uh, I don't disagree that it's too long, um, but I, I really enjoyed having him on the team. Um, like I said, I've always liked him, and it, it's you know I, I, you could just tell um, when he scored his first goal the other night. You could just tell how much of a weight was lifted off his shoulders, and then uh, I just thought it was fantastic to see the reaction of his teammates, uh, especially when he scored his third goal. Uh, last night that was just fantastic to see um so it was nice to see somebody somebody i like and i i really you know root for uh to succeed and for everybody to be as happy as i was so that was fantastic um and now we have one last segment which is uh our fan favorite reader questions and as is tradition i will throw to jj to MC this part all righty uh not so many reader questions this time around but that's all right uh, quality over quantity, so we will give you uh, quantity answers. Uh, start off with uh, Hornecker. It says, I've noticed that the refs seem to be losing control of more games lately. Does this line up with your observation? And if so, what do you think is the cause of this? Peter, what do you think? Have uh, the refs just kind of like given up on their jobs or what's going on? I mean, I haven't really seen it be worse lately. Like I think I think it might be recency bias because I think there's been a couple games relatively recently that's happened. Obviously the Colorado game was was pretty bad. Um the Boston game you could definitely be critical of some of the officiating. Um but you know I mean those were the last two games. I'm trying to think I, I don't really I don't really think I've seen that as a pattern. Um so, so no, I like I said, I, I I don't really I don't really see it that way. Uh, so because of that, I don't really have an answer for the second part. Yeah. I'm interested to see if, if if you guys see it that way. What do you think, Lauren? Um, I I do agree with Peter that it probably is some level of recency bias. Um, but I also feel like we haven't seen this team as one that ends up in those types of situations very often. You know, we're not. We haven't been that kind of team that, you know, stuff escalates to 
out of control very often. I feel like that's a relatively new development for this organization because we used to be, you know, I'd say probably more level-headed, you know, the obviously the 90s with the Avs is a different story, but um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's somewhat recency bias and, and maybe it's the, the settling in of the new season, you know, because it's always one of those things where it's, you know, at the beginning of the year, oh, we're going to be so much harder on booking penalties or whatever it is. And then you get halfway through the season or a third of the way through the season and, you know, there's been backlash and complaints about how often such and such ticky tack calls are being made and then you back down and, you know, you don't want to call a bunch of stuff. And um, so I wonder if it's just some of that too, but it it is disappointing that we have had a couple games recently where, you know, we've kind of devolved into some pretty serious shenanigans, I guess, um, beyond just run-of-the-mill, you know. Because normally when I think of an out-of-control game, it's just like, oh, splashing is going uncalled early and then stuff gets worse and then it's not getting called and then all of a sudden you're getting these, you know, big deals and stuff's already been let go to that point. I don't know. It's that standard that gets kind of developed early. So I don't really know what it is. Um, but I I don't like that. I, I I don't think it'll become a pattern, but it's certainly a new t- thing for this for this team and for our us as fans to experience with this team. Yeah, I think Lauren got it down because it feels like we are getting into. It feels like this basically happens every year, and we're getting into the part of the season that is kind of the the grind of the season. Like we've settled down from the early. Here's the the standard, and um, you know you're going to live up to it, and and we're going to call like if you tap anybody anywhere near the hands, we're going to call that a slashing, and then like the the callback from that, or the players literally stop doing it uh, is is part of that change, and also the refs just get kind of tired of calling it like that, and they just want to like get on with it like you know you see, we see players mail in games we see rust mail in games too um i do feel that early december is maybe a little bit early to call it the grind of the season like it, that's more mid-january um but yeah i, I just think that this is a, a year after year kind of a trend and i i don't have numbers to back that up but it, it just feels like we're we're in a, a space where refs are doing less penalty calling so moving on, uh, Dan Borsma asks about goalie prospect. Who is who is the top prospects and time frame are we looking at? Uh, we need one for I think the season after next to be ready. So uh, I have no clue <laughs> who are the guy after Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier uh, are dead guy is going to be like it's it's wide open right now but if you guys yeah. have any ideas please chime in i mean i when i saw this question i i knew that i i wasn't going to know anything uh so i looked uh i i looked at the the goaltending stats for the the goaltenders that are currently in our system um 
And while I'm not an expert on this, I, I can tell you that uh, Jesper Eliasson, who is our third-round draft pick last year, um, is playing in the Super Elite uh, League in Sweden. And in 18 games, he has a 9.24 save percentage, which sounds pretty good. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know like what a typical save percentage is in that league, but I would imagine 9.24 is is, is got to be pretty good. Uh, Keith Petrozelli has a 9.11 save percentage for Quinnipiac in in the NCA through 10 games. Um, other you know other prospects that we have we have Van Pottelberg, um, who's only played three games, um, but he has a 9.45, which is obviously good, but obviously a very small sample size. Um, or actually, oh, I'm sorry. The, the way that this is presented is is very confusing. So very apparently, uh, Van Pottelberg has played for two different teams this season, um, and in the other for the other team, he's played four games with an 885. So that's obviously a lot lower. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you, JJ, that I don't really know too much. Like I I can't really rank these players, but at the very least, I mean, the the Jesper Eliasson numbers look pretty good, uh, and I know that people have said good things about Petrozelli. I think from what I remember, he didn't have a great year or, or either last year or um or a great start to the year this year or something like that. But it seems like he's at least doing okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we I don't think we have like a top goalie prospect who it's like, okay, in two years, this guy is going to be pushing for a spot. Uh, at least not the way I understand it. Lauren, do you have any idea? Uh, I, I really don't. Prospects have never been my strong suit, unfortunately. Um, at goalies, certainly least of all. Um, <laughs> I just, I feel like it was the position that was just kind of put on the back burner for so long because we had Jimmy Howard and we had him locked up for the future. And then Mrazek was, you know, kind of the natural successor. And that went off a cliff into a flaming pile at the bottom of a ravine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know what the natural next step is. But then, you know, you're, we're getting these rumors about um, – you know, the potential suitors for Jimmy Howard. And then it is just like, oh, oh crap, what do we do next? You know, who, who's our, you know, obviously Jonathan Bernier is probably going to be our starter unless for some reason we get a, a another goalie in return in some hypothetical trade. But I just, yeah, I just don't know. Um, you know, because I nope. don't think, so Terry is uh, splitting time with, Oh, I'm completely forgetting now. Um, Rybar, Rebar, Rybar, in Grand Rapids right now. Yeah. Um, I and I don't remember if Rybar is on a Griffin's contract or if he's a Red Wings contract. I'm erring on the side of saying he's a Griffin's contract. So I guess Satori would be kind of be the natural call up, you know, permanent call up, but. Where you go from there, I don't, I don't know, I really don't know. Uh, Terry just feels like a Jared Crow filler. Yeah, yeah. Yep, for sure. Um, does have a fantastic name though, so at least we got that. He does. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I really don't know. Yeah, where, where we go from here? There are uh, names that are somewhere very far back in my memory that are not coming to me. 
Um, but I just there were a couple that people were like, oh, this you know this kid's going to be really good in three, four years or, or whatever it was, and it's like, okay, great, but now it's only a year or two later, and we're like, oh crap, what do we do? <laughs> you know, so I it'll certainly be a very interesting thing to see what happens within the next uh, several months. Um, but as far as any inkling on where we're going, I have no idea. I'm just along for the ride on this one. Our goal of the future, future Vezina slash Consmite winner, uh, Tom McCollum. So, uh, Dan Borsma follows up with a couple more questions, including one of them, should Zadina go to the World Juniors, which we've already answered. So, uh, just... Rewind the tape and listen to that yep. portion again, and there's our answer. Uh, final standings. Where do you see the wings ending up? Uh, he sees, or he, uh, I'm assuming it's he, maybe this commenter sees similar to last year. Uh, we are close to the bubble, but can't get there. Then we lose a lot and wind up fifth worse or so. Um, I, I, I don't agree. I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But, uh, but what do you get? What do y'all think? Um, I'm pretty much there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think this team finishes probably somewhere between third and seventh or eighth from the bottom, depending on how it breaks. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how this next stretch of games goes with, um, mostly, I say with Mantha out. I don't know how much the Kaiser being out for the same length of time is going to affect what I, I don't know because he's not been fantastic this year. I don't know. It's it, it throws a wrench into an already changing defense, I guess. Um, but I think having Mantha out um, will probably. You know, the the next stretch of games is really where we're starting to see some of the tougher teams. I, I think that's probably going to have quite a bit of an effect on where this team ends up at the end of the year. Um, I, I hope that we don't end up that, like, just on the bubble team. I, I don't think it's going to be one of those cases where we try and make a, a trade to get into the playoffs. I, I think we've you know, by ending the streak, we've gotten past that point where that's a priority every year. Um, but I just, I think this team right now is just so unpredictable with streaks and and stuff like that. Um, it's hard to get a grasp on what's going to happen. I, I think if I had to say that feeling, I'd say probably... I'd say we're probably looking at like the seventh or eighth pick also. I I don't think we'll hit a point where we, uh, you know, where we see a repeat of last year where we just keep going down and down. And we're, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we're like, okay, we might actually get first overall or at least, you know, best chances at the, um, at the, the first overall in the, in the lottery. Um, because I do think we are better than last year, but I, I, you know, you never know. You never know. I, but like I said, gut feeling. I'd say probably seven or eight is probably where I see them heading up this year. Also, 
Yeah, right on. Uh, Al James wants to know what the hell is going on in that photo. Uh, the banner picture of the mailbag is a Santa who is looking uh, kind of tired and a couple of kids. One of them is blurry in the foreground. Do you have any ideas what is going on in that photo? Um, <laughs> early onset cannibalism? <laughs> I will tell you the correct answer just so we can move on. Uh, That is the face of a Santa who saw where that blurry child's finger went before going into that blurry child's finger's mouth, or into that blurry child's mouth. Oh, Uh, boy. And is uh, not not quite happy with with what he has just said. I recognize that look. That is fantastic. (laughs) You've made that look yourself. Yeah. no comment. Yes. Um, and then Tedaske finishes us out with, do you trade Larkin or Zadina for a top-tier D-man? Someone like a Carlson, Ekblad, or Yossi type. Uh, assuming trading age for age, let's like make this as apples. Like you were trading Larkin or Zadina for essentially the Larkin or Zadina of defense. Uh, would you do that? Peter. Would I do it now? No. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say Larkin is untouchable. I mean, if you're going to give me better value for him, because I, I, I value him even more, you know, more this year than I did last year. Um, but even so, I mean, he's kind of developed into the the de facto leader of this team. And I think trading him now would be counterproductive like I said unless you're going to give you know unless you're going to blow me away with a deal um and Zadina I mean we don't even know we, we don't even you know we haven't seen what we really have in him yet I mean we know what we hope we have in him we know what there's seems to be a really good chance that we have in him but we don't know that for sure um I I wouldn't be considering trading Zadina at this point I, I yeah that's where I might part. do um Okay. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to Larkin, I, I, I want to say that my first thought was, well, gosh, how many, you know, 24-year-olds are out there that are, you know, his level in defense anyway? And then I looked it up, and he's not 24. He's 22, and I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> but, uh, I was like, it's the baby face. Okay. Well, hold on. Recalibrate a little bit. Uh, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, He's getting the man face, though. Yeah. He is. It's so funny. It's hilarious. I think it's just <laughs> so amusing to me. Because he, when he shaves, he is just a little little baby face. I'm like, oh, <laughs> keep the beard if you can, buddy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess just who is on his level on defense at the age of 22, I guess. You know, I think if they're already at his – equal skill level at, I would say, probably a harder position to play in the NHL at the age of 22, you're probably looking at somebody who, you know, because defense, I think it's generally accepted that defensemen develop a little bit later. So I don't know. It's What are you expecting to get in the future of this 
I, I don't know. I guess I don't really know how to word this, but I, I would say probably not for Larkin either. I agree with the reasoning on why you don't trade Zadina yet. You know, he's, it's, I just don't think you can get that level of value, especially since you don't really know what the value of Zadina is. But I would say Larkin right now, you know, he's setting up to be your future captain. You know, you're starting to put all this marketing into him. And I, I just don't see getting rid of him you know you you want to keep that marketable face that that personality that local boy um you know that's going to lead his team back to glory kind of a thing i just yeah i just don't see uh i i think the long-term value with larkin is is probably greater because of those additional uh aspects to him as a player yeah, I think if you had the defenseman version of Dylan Larkin, you could trade him for somebody like a like a Taylor Hall one for one. I'm just trolling <laughs> Peter right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Basically, I'll I'll kind of this the same way I I, I talk everything in, in regards to trading is there is nobody on the entire team that I think is, that I ever think is entirely untouchable. It's just there's a price consideration, and part of Dylan Larkin's price consideration is the future captain premium. It is, it is an intangible, basically, um, and I, it's really hard to explain. Like if Chiarelli said we will give you uh, Connor McDavid for Dylan Larkin, yes, I'm going to say yes to that. <laughs> yeah. It would be dumb not to. But, like, I don't foresee a, a defenseman out there where I would, like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, we'll give you Dylan Larkin based on the cost of what, would it, what it would do to, to get rid of the future captain right now. Um, I don't know that it makes sense, even if it can make, like, hockey sense, but... You know, there, there's more on hockey sense than the consideration. And the, I do believe there are intangibles at, at play there. And getting rid of a guy who is essentially a leader in the room and a, a, a changing the chemistry and, decide, and announcing to both the team and the fans that you're basically looking to change the culture of the entire team is a way – that's a hockey consideration too. Um with Zadina, yeah, I just I worry way too much about, uh, you know, your uh, the the gift of the Magi. Basically, you're you're selling the your golden harmonica for the the <laughs> beautiful comb, uh, and you you end up needing both. So I, I don't know necessarily that I would I would do that. Uh, fortunately, we have got a post on our site right now about trading. Uh, for defense, utilizing a forward in Anthony Mantha. So let's just do that instead. Um, <laughs> and feel free to, to drop in the comments whether or not you uh, you would agree or disagree with that post. So that uh, that that leads us out of the reader questions. I'm going to go ahead and hand this this beaten horse back over to Peter to uh, to put back on the stable. All right. So um, the last thing we're going to do before we wrap up. Um, is we're going to take a look at the schedule ahead. All right, so um, 
obviously when you're listening to uh when you're listening to this episode that night uh tomorrow night for us right now is going to be we are playing Toronto and William Nylander will be making his debut this season because of course he will. Um Saturday we play the Islanders and then we'll do next week too. So we have the uh the Kings at home, Capitals away, Ottawa at home and the Islanders away. So that's kind of weird. We play the Islanders back-to-back Saturdays. Um, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six games. All right, so Lauren, what's your prediction for how the Red Wings are going to do in the next six games? What do you think their record is going to be over that time? Or or how many points of the standings do you think we'll pick up? Um, hold on. Let me. What were the teams that we were playing? Islanders, you said, on the two Saturdays. Yeah, so Islanders twice, Toronto, yep. L.A., yep. Washington, and Ottawa. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, my guess, uh, because it's going to be the season debut for Mr. Nylander in Toronto, um, I imagine. I so I think I think we'll probably lose that game, and Toronto fans are going to be insufferable as always. Um, Islanders. I think we take one of. Um, one of those two Saturdays, I think we beat LA, um, Washington. I, I feel like could go either way, but I, I feel like we'll probably not win that one either. I can't, I'm not even keeping track of what I'm saying as far as points pick up here. Um, so I, for the two Islanders games, I say we take one, two points. Sorry, math is hard when it's late at night. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to say seven out of the out of the twelve. You know, I think I think we'll get a uh, an overtime loss in there, um, and then win three of the remaining. All right. So then, so Lauren said. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, yeah. So three, two, and one. Three, two, and one. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> that's the record. I All right. So that yeah, no, that's okay. So that's what Lauren's got. Seven points. JJ, what about you? I'm going to give us eight points. Uh, we are definitely losing to Toronto. And we're going to go into Washington playing our third game in four nights on the road. Uh, we are going to lose that game. Uh, but uh, everything else we're going to win. Cool. Um, I am going Coppola to. is going to score oh. five goals against <laughs> us. <laughs> oh, my God. You're exactly right. That's, of course that's going to happen. Um yeah, so in the in the next in the next six games out of twelve points, I'm going to be the pessimist and say we take three points there. So I I, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I'm going to go with that. Um, so thank you so much for listening to everybody out there. Um, so for Lauren and JJ, I am Peter uh, signing off for another episode, and we will see you back soon. Good night, John boy. Winging it, winging it.